Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. We wanted to continue our discussion on the doctrine of idolatry. The doctrine of idolatry. And this is a continuation from our first segment on this topic. And we talked about idolatry in regards to is etymology. Idolatry is image or worship or divine honor paid to any created object. Again, idolatry is image or worship or worship of an image or divine honor or homage paid to any created object. And I said before on the pre- uh, previous broadcast that idolatry is, in a sense, a misappropriation of worship. You're given to something inauthentic what exclusively belongs to God. You're given worship to something created when it should be given to the authentic God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father, the authentic God. So what idolatry does, it places our hearts where we can't receive help. It puts our prayers in a place where no answer to our prayers is going to come from. Let me try to unpack this. If you create an image made with hands and you pray to that image and you talk to that image and you desire for that image to answer your prayers. You you desire for that image to tell you about your frailties or to help you overcome some things. Well, that image or that in an, uh, inanimate object cannot help you. The only one that can help you in terms of answering your prayers, in terms of dealing with your soul is the authentic God who's revealed himself through Yahshua, Jesus Christ. And all through the scriptures, the Bible warns his people about idolatry. We talked about Exodus 20, one through three, where God says, you should have no, no other gods before me. 
We talked about Exodus 34, 14. Do not worship any God, any other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. Let me talk about that passage for a second. Those who are not trained in hermeneutics, especially skeptics in the world, some have said, why would God be jealous of me? I don't want a God who's that uh, jealous. Well, first of all, those skeptics are misinterpreting that scripture. When that word jealous is used, it's in the sense of God does not want to share your affections with other things or other people. In the same way that we demand fidelity between us and our spouses, us and our significant others, most of us do not want our spouses or significant others who have pledged to love us to love someone else. So in the same way, God is demanding that we keep our part of the bargain. That we not go look for other gods, which there really aren't other gods. There's only one God. But the devil will have you to believe that those gods made with hands are on the same level as our God. Deuteronomy 6.13, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name, not in other people's names, in his name. Matthew 4 and 10, Jesus said to them, away from me, Satan, for it is written, or Jesus said to him rather, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, and he was quoting Deuteronomy 6.13. So the consequences of idolatry, 1 Corinthians 10 and 7. In regards to the first generation of Israelite, Paul writes, Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in reverie. And this is going back to the Mount Sinai narrative as Moses went to go talk to God, the The children of Israel were doing something different, and I'm going to touch on that um, shortly. Now, the consequences of idolatry. Why should we be careful not to be idolatrous? Idolatry really is a form, as I said last on the previous episode, is a form of syncretism. Syncretism. And syncretism is the attempt to reconcile behavior patterns or cultural norms or ideologies or philosophies that came from the world and we're trying to blend it with righteousness. In other words, it's an attempt to blend things that God does not endorse or support that came from our previous culture, but now that we're saved and in Christ, we're trying to still practice those things. And we can't. So idolatry 
can be a form of syncretism. Number one, if we look at the consequence of idolatry, number one, the idols that we see through history are impotent. Look at Isaiah 45 and 20. Gather together and come, assemble, ye fugitives from the nations. Ignorant are those who carry about idols of wood, who pray to gods that cannot save. This is Isaiah 45, 20. These gods that are made with hands cannot save anyone. I realize what the cults say and what they do in terms of self-flagellation and in terms of chanting and in terms of passion, it doesn't matter how passionate you are, you can still be wrong. Just because someone is passionate and someone has zeal towards something doesn't necessarily mean that they're right. And so we that are children of light, we that are salty, Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, and by salt, Salt in the first century was used to preserve food. In the same way, we are to preserve God's word. We that know the truth, we must preserve God's word by standing on the scriptures and then loving people enough to tell them the truth in love. Letting them know that some of the things that they made idols, and in many cases, people don't, people are not even aware that they've gone that route in a sense of making something in their life idol-like. They've started idolizing, for example, uh, their jobs. They've started idolizing the person that they're uh, in a relationship with. They've started idolizing their status in terms of degrees. They've started idolizing objects as homes, such as cars and uh, wardrobe and, and uh, their name in the community, they placed other things beyond God. This may not be a reflection of you, the listener, but how many people do you know that are in that position? They are in bondage by Satan himself putting these things on their plate and they've started to idolize some of these things where that adoration ought to be given to God himself. How many people do you know, as an example, I enjoy looking at sports at times, but I know numerous people who worship sports. They can't live without it. They, they, uh, they sacrifice family time. Uh, they, they sacrifice things that should be more important toward sports. But what would it look like if they used the same zeal, the same passion towards the person that created them? That gave these athletes their ability. What would it look like? So again, let us look at the scriptures. Deuteronomy 4.28. There 
you will worship man-made gods of wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or eat or smell. Again, the scriptures is reminding us that anything created that we worship is impotent. They are inanimate objects and their philosophies that won't, that won't lead us to uh, righteousness. It's really no God at all. They're not alive. So this passage has reminded us that any man-made objects that are worshipped by humanity can't help us. They can't see. They can't hear. They can't eat. They can't smell. They are dead. That's essentially what this passage is trying to say in Deuteronomy 4.28. They are dead objects. Psalm 115, verses 5 through 7. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. Nor can they utter sound with their uh, throats. One of the places in the New Testament uh, that this passage reminds me of is the city of Ephesus. And as we read the background story on Ephesus, uh, we learn that when Paul and his team came to Ephesus, they were confronted by this idolatrous worship of Artemis, the goddess, the goddess of fertility and also the goddess of the underworld. And as Paul started sharing Christ, Paul and his team started sharing the gospel, people became converted. People started following Jesus, and they quickly realized that they couldn't continue to worship Christ and to worship Artemis at the same time. And the scripture tells us that um, they were no longer purchasing the amulets, that the silversmith was making of Artemis. The city made money from selling products of Artemis. But as Christians, they realized that it was a conflict for them to worship this God that they used to worship prior to accepting Christ. And now that they're in Christ, they couldn't continue to worship Artemis. So should they, should they Worship Christ or should they worship Artemis? And they realize that in order for them to be in Christ and to grow more intimate with Christ, they had to let go of Artemis. And in letting go of Artemis, they weren't buying as many products that were made in the fashion of Artemis. And so the people that made money of the Artemis, uh, uh, Artemis products, they realized that there was a direct correlation between the conversion of Ephesian residents in becoming Christians to their uh, economic downfall of the city. So in essence, the more people became Christians, the less money they made because these Citizens who were Christians were not buying the Artemis products anymore. They were putting their hope and trust in Jesus. They were putting their livelihood in Jesus. 
They were putting their aspirations in Jesus. They were putting their fears in Christ alone. And in Christ alone, there's nothing else that we need. Uh, they, we don't need uh, horoscopes. We don't need our palms read. We don't need to visit or use a, a Ouija board. We don't, we don't need to have seances. There's nothing in Christ or outside of Christ rather that we need. He is fully sufficient for all of our needs. And that's what the residents of Ephesus who converted to Christianity realized. And in the same way in our life uh, today, we need to follow the same principle. We are constantly confronted by other mediums who claim they can help us. But in Christ, we have everything that we need. And the devil would like to use these other mediums to take our eyes off of Jesus. It's Christ alone. It is Christ alone. And uh, he alone is able to save us. He alone is able to reassure us. He alone is able to embolden us. He alone is able to give us our purpose. So there's nothing outside or even inside and outside of Jesus that we don't have. He is our full sufficient savior. And what happens when we continue in idolatry is that idolatry leads to spiritual adultery. Israel were spiritually married, as an example, Israel were spiritually married to God when they entered into a covenant with him at the foot of Mount Sinai. You can read Exodus chapters 19 through 34. Again, Israel uh, went into a covenant relationship with God in Exodus 19 through 34 at Mount Sinai. The second commandment says, thou shalt have no other God beside him. That's what the Lord gave Moses. You should not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus 25 through 6. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to you, to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Colossians 3 and 5. For though, for of this, you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person, person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Ephesians Five and five. Again, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, uh, as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and kingdom of Christ. Ephesians five and five. So there's this constant refrain about not becoming an idolater. And it's interesting that uh, this passage or the last two passages couple idolatry 
with greed. Idolatry leads to greed. Uh, when we take our eyes off of God, then we become more self-absorbed. We become more self-centered. We start thinking about ourselves only. And reminds me of the pandemic. The pandemic that we are experiencing is encouraging or highlighting those that are caught up in themselves, those that are self-absorbed. It is no longer, I am my neighbor's keeper. It's more so, I'm only concerned about myself. Think about all of those people that hoarded uh, things that other people needed to survive during the pandemic. We sometimes hear about good think the good things people do when crisis hits. But on the other side, there are people who are set on doing wrong because they haven't surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit. Let us continue. When individuals engage in their idolatrous ways, they are bowing down again to a false and inauthentic God. While Moses is communing with God, as an example, on Mount Sinai, the restless Israelites decide they're going to manufacture a golden calf. Exodus 32. This calf was made with hands. Again, we serve a God. The real God is not made with hands. The creation of the golden calf represents the desire of some of the Israelites to unify Israel under this false imagery. This idea of a calf was inherited from Egypt. The calf was one of the most important animals in Egypt. It was a a venerated animal which some in Egypt worship. The calf represented Egypt's god, Ptah. P-T-A-H. Ptah. Now, Ptah in Egypt is believed to be the chief god. He is the only one that created everything through thought. Egyptians attributed the following to Ptah. They believe that he assisted those who died through the underworld. Uh, he's also the creator of the apex bull. And we're running out of time, so we're going to continue uh, this lesson on the doctrine of idolatry as we unpack the religion of Egypt and how that impacted the consciousness of the Israelites. In the same way, Many Christians are struggling between what the scriptures are telling them and what the society is telling them. And I encourage you to stand firm on the truth of the gospel. Our goal should be to grow more intimate with Jesus Christ. And in order to do that, we have to follow the scriptures. And in following the scriptures, you'll have a more joyous existence. You have more peace uh, that can't be purchased. You'll be able to know who you are and what God created you to be. Ultimately, we want to be close to God. We want to obey what he's asked us to do. 
Remember to do for the truth what so many do for a lie. And please support Sound Reasoning Ministries by visiting our website, srministries.org. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister, Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make or perhaps businesses to build, It's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.